0: The Artificial Intelligence in Industry podcast is often conducted over Skype. In fact, many of my best interviews have been conducted over Skype over the years. And this week, we're going to have a little bit of a different episode for a whole bunch of reasons. Uh, First and foremost, the interviewee happens to be one of the early developers at Skype. Jan Talen is recognized as sort of one of the technical leads behind Skype as a platform. He was with the company very early on and uh, stayed with them all the way through their gargantuan acquisition by eventually Microsoft for over $8 billion. So a successful businessman, certainly a sharp Technical fellow with a with a formal physics background, theoretical physics background. Jan has a deep interest in artificial general intelligence. That is to say, AI that sort of gains consummate abilities with human beings. And he's had an interest in this since well before it was cool and well before it was popular. He's a, a funder and supporter of the Center of the Study of Existential Risk, of the Future of Life Institute, of the Machine Intelligence Research Institute. He was an, an investor in uh, Nysense, which is Jürgen Schmidhuber, company in Switzerland, in DeepMind, in London. These are sort of general artificial intelligence research companies. And Jan, again, has a a firm interest in sort of what are the consequences of artificial general intelligence? Where is this going to take humanity? This is not a topic we normally cover here on AI and industry. As many of you are aware, this is unabashedly my own Personal greatest interest. I think that sort of the trajectory of intelligence itself is astronomical import. And even though, the, though, for the most part, we speak here about transferable lessons of AI in finance, in pharma, and in other sectors. I think it makes sense to get at least some perspective on where this is ultimately taking us. What is the trajectory of AI in, let's say, the next hundred years? Where where could that be? Where what where might we go? Um, Jan has thought about this more than most and has been in the room with some of the absolute smartest folks in the artificial general intelligence space. Uh, Elon Musk, for example, is one of the other very large funders behind the Future of Life Institute and, and kind of common in the, the conversations that FLI has had in in Puerto Rico and some of their other kind of exclusive events. So Jan is a tuned in fellow in this domain and we got to catch up in his hotel at the World Government Summit. So uh, I met Jan while we were both doing the sort of AI governance roundtable sessions at the World Government Summit. We sort of caught up about shared interests to some degree and I thought that some of his ideas about what happens when AI really takes off or what could happen when AI takes off and what those consequences are for societies, uh, for nation states. Would be an interesting take and something kind of curious to bring to the table for people here on the AI and Industry podcast. I wanted to publish this one on kind of an off weekday, just as an extra special throw-in episode. And I'm interested in your thoughts on this. So those of you who are tuned in, we're going to get far out. We're going to think about where AI is taking us in an ultimate sense. Let me know what you think about this episode. Ping me on LinkedIn, Dan Fogella at LinkedIn, or just Dan at Emerj.com. Send me along a note. Let me know what you think about this episode. This is off of our beaten track, but I've got great respect for Jan. It was cool to be able to catch up with him in person. And I thought that this would just be a fun dip into a deeper future uh, of kind of AI's consequences. And I'm curious to know what you all think of this particular episode. So feel free to drop me a note. Uh, But otherwise, I think the audio came in good in this one. The hotel was, was nice and quiet. Uh, and we got to get into the details that I thought would be interesting. So hopefully you all enjoyed this episode. This is Jan Tallinn here on the AI and Industry Podcast. I am Dan Fajella. Without further ado, let's roll right in. So Jan, I guess we'll just start it off with the general dynamic. We were at the AGI session of AI governance uh, here at the summit, um, and you'd brought up this idea of Zero sum thinking versus multi sum thinking when it comes to artificial positive sum, yeah. yeah positive sum thinking as it comes to general artificial intelligence just generally speaking how do you explain that dynamic to people who are maybe new to it yeah so like
1: one way of looking at uh, AI is that is leverage on human capabilities uh, and potentially really big leverage when people think of AI as just another technology they might be making this uh, implicit assumption that the amount of resources is roughly constant. I mean, we know that the amount of uh, wealth in the world has been increasing, although not necessarily equally, but this could be just really tiny bit when when we zoom out from the planet Earth and look at that, well, wait a minute, like almost all the resources are just elsewhere. So the game isn't about using more and more powerful technology to fight over the constant amount of resources on this planet here. But the game is really going to maximising our chances to go out and build a flourishing universe, really.
0: And you sort of mentioned before we started recording that that could involve transmuting the stars into energy for some other purposes or whatever the case may be. Roughly speaking, you know, you talk about leaving the planet and doing other things. What does doing other things look like? I mean, harvesting energy... Minerals in some way shape or form. I mean, what, what's kind of the variety of sort of to-dos that you suspect will happen? Uh, when, so, when we the planet?
1: I mean, I don't have an answer there. I do think I have like meta answer, which yeah. is that we need to have long period of deliberation of what it means to you know, maximize the amount of utility to beat happiness. I mean, I, I, I like to think in terms of fun. I want there to, to be more fun than less fun. I, I think we should be very careful not to kind of lock in, in our current values or current thinking because we know our values have progressed over time. Like we no longer oh, think it's, like sure. it's, a, it's a great idea to burn cats, for example. W- when was that a thing? Uh,
0: in Middle Ages. Oh. They, they did that for entertainment. Good fun fact for yeah, new listeners. Yeah, they yeah. burned cats for entertainment. Yeah. So uh, plenty of values have shifted. And even on earth today, it's very clear that values are kind of
1: different yeah one of my uh, one of my examples that i go to is just about half a century ago there was a movie by hitchcock called uh, how to catch a thief and there is like the protagonist is challenged by a woman and that protagonist just hits that woman and the movie goes on as if nothing happened because like that was totally justified act back then
0: yeah yeah and and, i mean that's obviously a microcosm of grand differences in ethics Mm -hmm. over time and, and in different places in the world so you're the supposition that there should be some semblance of pause before that occurs. Is it so, some like dynamic? Uh, I'm, I'm, it's
1: not clear if it should be pause. We probably wouldn't have to like we shouldn't kind of pause the entire everything. But it's just like I think there's value in thinking about what we're gonna deal with the universe, even if it becomes an option.
0: Yeah. And I suspect we'll have more options there when we have more cognitive ability. In other words, when we have more powerful tools for that thinking. In fact, I would suspect, and I don't know if you agree, that utility, which you boil down to, or you like to use the term fun, I think that's Mm -hmm. a cool way to practically think about utility. I think it's quite possible that there are moral theories, ways of valuing things beyond utility. In other words, that that sort of the best that we have right now is this, you know, Bentham shebang, which is really good. I mean, on the aggregate, right, you're talking big, like high level, far out zoom. Seems like utility is the way to play the game. You know, conscious things are morally relevant. Good qualia is good. Bad qualia is bad. I suspect that just as human moral thinking is a little bit more advanced than chimps, that whatever post-human intelligence is will come up with theories vastly more important than utility I don't know if you yeah. agree or disagree I'm, I'm sort of pragmatist in in that respect I say that it's important
1: to maximize utility but I gonna leave the definition of utility like somewhat flexible okay, okay. So it's I, like like, it. I just I'm a physicist by education so I think of like the Universe just as a configuration of atoms, and you can kind of assign different numbers to different configurations of atoms, and some of the numbers are higher, and that is the utility. Like we want to create a good world, and whatever it, whenever whatever say, good is, whatever yeah.
0: good is, that is utility. Got it. Okay. Yeah, I like a flexible version yeah. of that because I suspect that what we now know of as like, well, under these neural conditions, something's probably aware, and under these conditions, something seems to be feeling okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. like yeah. obviously, that's when our brains are cricket-like compared to what is next. We shouldn't stick with that definition. Yeah. Um, so you, you leave utility more open. So it sounds as though, you know, the, the supposition on your end here is that when we do leave the planet, go off and do grander things with much more resources, do you suspect that it will be as humanity at that time? In other words, it will AGI will at that point be a tool sort of serving hominids? Or do you suspect that by the time the galaxy begins being populated, we may not have kind of hominid concerns anymore? We may be kind of worried about fulfilling deeper, vaster entities? Yeah, I don't have strong views one, on way, one way, way or the other. Yeah, I really care about humans, and oh, I think it's
1: okay to care about humans oh, as yeah. opposed to some like AI researchers who I wouldn't. Are I wouldn't, there people that
0: that have that opinion?
1: Yeah, so I mean, it's it's like not like very common, but like there is definitely like a strand where people just like think that they're part of like some big evolution here, and they just want to bring about the next step in their kind of uh-huh. evolution. Well, I think, it's, it's yeah, just, obviously, I think it's just wrong thinking yeah ignoring human well-being would be a silly thing U- usually, usually i, I kind of the the argument that i countered this with is like well what if we just engineered a killer virus that kills everyone. Like, wouldn't that count as a step in evolution as well? <laughs> like, because like in some ways, there was a like, stronger thing that killed us. That
0: doesn't sound right. No. But. Well, I, th- I think probably their thinking, if I'm not mistaken, is that the utility monster thought experiment that you may or may not be familiar. I, I, with. Yeah, sure, that. sure. Mm-hmm. So that if you created a grand enough utility monster, then whatever you had to do to make it would just be worth it, and, and <clears> then <throat> like literally whatever you had to. And obviously, a virus is not a utility monster I think
1: at think that, that, that level. I think that's already going. Kind of, uh, that view is already going. Kind to... Of, narrower, uh, that I encounter when I talk to some oh, really? AI researchers. They're just like, they don't seem to care what kind of AI it is. It's just, like, as it, the it's most d- important is that it's, it's like, smarter than human. That's and a that's, dark take, man. That's a really dark take. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I've argued with some, some people there. But I, it's, I don't think it's common view. So, so Yeah, yeah it's, no, it's a neither B, do I. BTH, yeah, so
0: you're, you're not exactly certain if it will be some kind of, or, well, of course, nobody's certain, but it sounds like you don't even have a strong hunch as to whether when the reaching of AGI into the galaxy mm-hmm. occurs, if it's going to be at the behest of some global human organization, or if... You know there may only be some kind of transhuman you know semi-biological blobular stuff happening here and that really we're, we're past humans I mean there's a lot practicalities right it's kind of like really difficult to
1: import like if it's really difficult to transport meat yeah, right? yeah it's, so it's, it's like it's it's likely that there are better ways to uh, to house um, sentience exactly uh, yep. that's better way to house sentience a more economical way at least yeah uh, so in that sense I think because it's more economical, it's going to be more more likely but that's that's why I really like the term aligned AI, which kind of jumps over the issue: of, is it going to be us? Is it going to be it? Is it going to be hybrid? Uh, it's just like as long as it's AI, as long as it's aligned, it's by definition is going to want. One way of de- defining uh, aligned AI is an AI whose idea of a good future is aligned with our idea of good future, or even better, like the idea that we should have if we were smarter what the good future means because like as as there has been like more progress over time we shouldn't basically be confident that now we know everything that 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 the good future should be
0: i agree and i i could see there being and i don't know if you imagine this but i could see there being a group who suspects that the right future the proper the aligned proper future would be machines serving hominids as they stand today and i could see another group seeing alignment as very clearly being this eventual merger of human sentience into something sort of vastly more capable. And I could maybe see those two AI aligning to those two other needs and and maybe not, not super duper getting along. I don't know if you think that maybe that would be bypassed in any way, shape or form, but it seems as if alignment could come from different angles. This
1: conference in Puerto Rico last month, and like one session was really about this topic, like what would a good future with AI look like? And there were like, Many wild ideas there, but like a couple of interesting common denominators. For example, one of them was that we don't want like disruptive changes. We're like if, if there's going to be a potentially really extreme change, it should happen over time and kind of in a controlled fashion, as opposed to like in a matter of minutes and a catastrophic way. Another way was that there shouldn't be like any compulsory actions. Like if somebody wants to retain their biological form, they should be able to again because like uh, almost all the utility is not on this planet keeping humans around is very cheap let's put it that way yeah comparatively speaking that's that's actually one of my sort of uh, hopes about ai even if you get like really unaligned ai like the hope for humans is that we are very cheap to keep around
0: yeah that's not that tough to leave us an environment to uh
1: yeah, do our just, thing just, you know.
0: and so we had chatted before beginning the recording here around Possibly this dynamic of seeing a positive sum world being something that could shift the ideas of the leaders of major nations and companies who, who might now sort of see the world as, I mean, the, the obvious back and forth here is like the U.S.-China Predominance game of mm-hmm. of yeah. the economy and of military might and of artificial intelligence and there's some of those that China might catch up on sooner than others. But I think there's people in the U.S. and in China that think about that. And people in Europe, I think, that that consider this this kind of great power back and forth to be the the shebang. Do you think that if people maybe thought more about what would occur if AI got past a certain level, if we reach artificial general intelligence, that there would be less hubbub about who's in control of it?
1: Yeah, I mean the way I would frame this that. Again, AI will likely enable, whether independently or together with us or as as our tool, access to the universe. And when you talk about good future, almost all of it define what happens in the rest of the universe. Yeah, because like that's just where the energy, that's where the where the matter, that's most where of the, the stuff is happening. That's, that's where the where elsewhere. the stuff is stuff is yep. happening. Exactly. <laughs> like in some ways, the, this planet is just sort of a initial condition for getting to the rest of the potentially good experiences that can be had in the future. Uh, so if we fight over the kind of really tiny amount of resources on this planet in a zero sum manner, we are going to sacrifice our ability to get to the rest of the, to, to, the, to the actual meat. So that's, that, that is the kind of mind change or like the yeah, state of mind change that I, I think it would be really valuable to have. The, the Earth is not the name of the game. The name of the game is the universe
0: hundred percent. And I think in the world of politics to sort of shuffle these ideas through in, in a military and political context, which I think in the coming maybe even decade, we'll see some push. I mean, right now, you know, the world government summit, we have so much focus on AI just here. While if you look at, you know, even 18 months ago, how little public sector attention there was on AI, M- maybe that traction is going to continue to these bigger concerns. In terms of how to breathe life into that, maybe as we wrap up, this would be a topic to sort of just hurl some ideas around. I can see in a political or in a military context, folks saying, okay, if if we can leave this planet, then there's so much more to sort of do and to share and to explore. And that ultimately that expansion would just be so good. It potentially could be so good. It was so much more good than maybe earth could be, Then maybe we ought to get along and do it. It's possible that there might still be tension around who makes it, in terms of at a country level, maybe, let's say, because potentially the trajectory of how we expand into the universe and, and potentially the fate of kind of the other nations could be sort of molded to a great extent by whatever deity is, is built. And so some folks might say, well, we can kind of mold the values of it a little bit more. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's,
1: that's kind of a very human way of thinking, but that just makes a simple mathematical mistake. Go ahead, go ahead. Which is if you are kind of building things in a cooperative manner, you are not going to waste resources to the competition. So like, if you think that, okay, we need to get to the rest of the universe, even if you win, you're going to proceed from that win might be much smaller if you had cooperated because you started from a way worse position given the competition. You can imagine that your goal is to win the race, but to do that, you have... Competitors just sabotage each one. Yeah. Like when you when you are the winner of the race, you might be just like limping that way, and and your score is going to be just like really really bad compared to where you actually cooperated.
0: So my fingers across that cooperation occurs for whatever this posthuman transition will be. I can see a devil's advocate scenario whereby we could say humans are the result of and our most successful companies in the world are the result of really successfully duking it out with competitors and really successfully dealing with a tough world. Um, and that whatever the the strongest thing that is birthed and hurled through the universe may be more physically and intellectually capable if it's had to have it out with other super intelligences on its way leaving. Now you've made the point that maybe it would be limping out because there's so much maybe physical and resource competition just to stretch yeah, out. It's, and that it's just, the downside it's just as like well. when you,
1: when you start the competition, you are just getting off to a really bad start as opposed to like starting comfortably while not aiming for the entire universe, but just aiming for a fair share, Yeah, which is just ridiculously bigger than, than you would uh, get otherwise.
0: Yeah. Fingers crossed that not too many people buy into the, if multiple super intelligences compete, then whichever one wins will be even stronger than it would have been otherwise. Hopefully that doesn't become a popular idea. Maybe in closing, when you think about what that cooperation could be, what we're ultimately talking about is kind of the global human society sort of having some shared vision around, hey, where would we want to take this and how can we go about it? Even in terms of baby steps, how does that ever get started? Does this have to be like an outside of a nation? We all sort of come together in this? I have
1: a a great like uh, abstract answer to that. Love to hear it. Eric Drexler, who is the inventor of nanotechnology, he has been advancing this uh, concept of paretotopia. So it's a utopia with an added constraints that all the steps between now and utopia, they are Pareto improvements. It means that everyone's life is going to get better. So you have this, like this added added constraint that no one is going to be left behind. And if you can kind of like promote that, that kind of feels very acceptable to most people, most nations. So like if you could basically build a roadmap, so to speak between now and utopia, whatever it might be, where we're gonna guarantee the situation that no one's life, no one's situation is going to get worse. That's like because of the abundance of resources out there, this is like theoretically totally doable. If we fail to do it, it's going to be because of like some silly human or ancestral
0: silly monkey stuff. Silly monkey stuff, yeah. exactly. Do you suspect that this will have to occur through a international body mm-hmm. of the the kind that maybe the UN is? Mm-hmm. Do you think this will be some kind of assigned collaborative science agreement across the major nations of the world when it comes to some pooled notion of this utopic progress. Yeah, again, I would
1: kind of punt this to people who are kind of thinking hard about this right now. For example, Future Humanity Institute
0: in Oxford. Yeah.
1: And definitely, I don't have answers. The political yet.
0: transition sounds like maybe yeah. a different ball game than yeah. than this.
1: But it's important to just realize that we might be on the edge of a like completely new regime on this planet in this universe, possibly. So it's, uh, and we shouldn't kind of like bring the baggage from the last 100,000 years to that.
0: Yep. Can you get there safe and sound? Well, we'll find out folks the hard way. Uh, we'll see if Hugo de Garris's globo notion or the singleton in Bostrom's terms have life breathed into them and whether that happens in a friendly or not so friendly way. But that's all we have for time. Jan, thanks so much for the interview.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of AI and Industry. This is your host, Dan Vigilla. I hope that we catch you next week. Many of our executive listeners often get great ideas from our podcasts or our newsletters, but they end up coming to us for more help. So they might see some research project that we did with the World Bank, and they might want to do some of their own research on deeper market opportunities for AI in a specific sector or understanding the growth rates of AI in a certain domain. Uh, They might have seen some AI business strategy work that we've done with a pharmaceutical company and maybe ask about things along those lines or see one of the presentations that we've given at the United Nations and ask if we can speak at an event. Uh, And while we certainly do these things, uh, we're certainly involved with clients on pretty big projects on a regular basis, a lot of the time these messages will just end up in my personal inbox. People will find my email or they'll just find me on LinkedIn and send along a message. And this ends up being actually pretty tough to juggle at this point, given the travel schedule and given all the the client projects that we're involved in. And few people actually know, particularly people who only listen to the podcast and and aren't on Emerge.com or on the newsletter, uh, don't know that we actually have a services page that lists what we can help with. So we are not the best at everything, but in terms of what we do, which is mapping the capability space of AI and conveying that to executives in ways that help them win in the market, specific services tailored to that can be found at emerj.com slash services. So here at Emerge Artificial Intelligence Research, we work with government departments, we work with public companies, uh, we work with organizations who are serious about making AI a competitive advantage. And again, we actually do list sort of the programs that we have. So many of the podcast listeners don't know this, these messages end up in my inbox, and then I'm you know, traveling for two weeks and I feel really bad that I get back to people later, but you can reach us through that services page or simply send along an email at services at EMERJ dot com. Services at EMERJ. Dot com. From there, Dylan or Marcus or one of our team members will be able to get back to you much more quickly uh, than I would via LinkedIn. So if you're interested in doing more with what you've learned here, if you have serious business initiatives related to artificial intelligence and you want to take your organization to the next level, just simply reach us at emerge.com slash services that's e-m-e-r-j.com slash services or just email services at emerge.com that's emerge with a j so thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode next week again we're going to be diving into ai use cases and trends and conveying the transferable lessons that you can bring to your organization and i look forward to having you here next week